it's Kelly Havens. Grab your favorite mug, find a cozy spot to listen, or work quietly with your hands while I take you on a journey into the rolling hills of Ohio, our old home, and my world of homesteading, homemaking, and daily life with James and Thad. I hope you will find comfort in my companionship as I have found in yours. Blessed quietness, holy quietness, what assurance in my soul. Out on the stormy sea, Jesus speaks to me, and the billows cease to roll. Good morning, happy November. I'm kind of excited that I get to do this on November 1st. because the topic we're going to be discussing today is quietness and I know many of us have been enjoying just the abundance of October and harvest and the excitement of fall and all the colors and I was telling my friend I just can't believe how all of this color in a matter of weeks or days is just going to be gone and we'll just have this this wet brown grayness (laughs) but there is hope (laughs) because the quiet months have the potential to be such rich, rich months. Um, I'm not surprised the Lord has laid this topic on my heart. It kind of came about from Levi's birthday last Sunday and how I wanted to adorn, you know, the whole room with just a quiet heart. And, um, and then yesterday I was just really, really tired, but there was a lot I had to get done because Levi finished his very first dining table that he's going to sell. And so um, it was a lot of noise, shuffling things around the kitchen and um, sweeping and dishes and cleaning and organizing and moving furniture around. Um, but, you know, God just kept reminding me that the the ambition to live a quiet life is something that is far beyond just physical quiet and so I can't wait to go into that topic a little bit with you today but I was alone with Thaddy as Levi did this um, big trip to help my sister move into her apartment. Thaddy and I ironically did not have a quiet evening physically. If you looked at my stories we decided to play table chase (laughs) you know when um, babies are like one and a half they just, they love anything peekabooish. So I would just disappear and then reappear and disappear and reappear. And he would just, just squeal with the light under the table and just kick his heels. And I would grab him and give him a hug. And he just, he loves being touched just anywhere. You can just sit next to him and just gently stroke his fingers. And you just count his fingers or just squeeze his fingers. And he just thinks it's the funniest thing. So I would just grab him and then disappear again. And we did this for about a half an hour. Um, and it was anything but quiet. I, I had my Doris Akers um, album on. She is lovely. She might be my favorite singer right now. Um, she is a gospel singer from the, I guess you would say like late um, 1900s. She was born in the 20s and then died in the 90s. Um, beautiful heart and just got, it's like almost like a jazz gospel. I've, I haven't heard too much jazz gospel. But um, anyway, kind of the theme of this podcast today is her song, Blessed Quietness, Holy Quietness, What an Assurance in My Soul. How on the stormy seas, Jesus speaks to me and the billows cease to roll. We have been listening to that song so much the past month. 
And the irony is, is it is a spunky song. I mean, that song will get you up on your feet and you're, you're rocking and rolling, you know, <laughs> you're just bopping around. And it, it's so funny because it, it just gets at the core of this, this topic that I want to talk about today, that, that quietness, the biblical New Testament idea of quietness, you know, and Paul says, make it your ambition to live a quiet life. And to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands. And then Peter, when he says, Let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. This kind of quietness, it doesn't mean literal quiet. It's not the silence of the woods on a calm, cool October day. Where all you hear is the trickling of the rock waterfall or the rustling of the leaves and you don't have any thoughts and you're just drifting. <laughs> it's not. It's, it's what Doris says. It's the assurance in my soul. It's that inner assurance that Jesus is mine, that I am his and he is mine. That, that quiet heart is the only way that I could be so playful last night with Thaddeus under the table. It was because of the, the prayer that I had with um, the elder and this older woman in church yesterday morning. And it was the time that I spent um, in tears two days ago about my calling and asking God for peace about it and the ability to go on even when I don't want to or when I don't see the way, but just the strength to take the next steps. Quietness, the quiet life, is not just this absolute stopping of activity. It's actually an intense flourishing of activity that comes about from God's quiet that he teaches us, God's rest that he teaches us. It's like when David says, you lay your hand upon me. In Psalm 139, he quiets us. And in Zephaniah 317, you rejoice over me with singing. You quiet me with your love. We have to let God quiet us and teach us the quiet life. So I'm going to kind of just explore this topic of quietness with you for a little bit. And I think I'm going to break this into two podcasts. Um, I'm sorry that it took this long. <laughs> I started writing about this subject last Monday, actually. And um, I just really have to keep surrendering to his timing with it because, you know, I am human and I get... I get anxious, excited, and then in my anxiety, I kind of, um, I lose a little bit of it. There's this poem by Pooh Bear. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have, like, the big Winnie the Pooh, um, the re like, you know, the original ones, but I think Rabbit or someone is like, Pooh, you know, please, please read us a, or tell us a story or read us a poem, and he's like, well, you know, the best thoughts come when I'm not trying to think of them. 
or like the poems that I love the most always write themselves. And so he's basically like, I'll write you a poem about how I can't write poems when you want me to write a poem. <laughs> and he goes on and Piglet or whoever it was is perfectly content with it because he just wanted a friend to talk to. <laughs> but that's sometimes that's how it is for me. I have to take a step back. So that was what happened the other day. But I am back and hopefully I can... Um, I can do it a little bit better now because I think I'm going to break it up. Okay, so I'm going to start by thinking with you about what what is the quiet life? You know, I think that many of us, when we think of the quiet life, we think of something we don't have that we would love to have someday. And um, for some, it may be pretty extreme. Like my closest friend, she has always dreamed of just living in the woods and having her writer's room because she's a beautiful writer um having like a little attic that you could just escape to and light your candles and have your chamomile tea and just write books and then launch them out into the world from your little stone cottage or your rustic log cabin and go on these walks and just you know, fill up with God's beauty and with truth and then spin these tales, these stories and pour them out to the world. And I think that a lot of us, we we may not think of something that extreme, but we long for just, just this stillness that kind of is all around us. Like we want what, um, we want what we're trying to achieve on the inside, a still heart to be mirrored out in the outside. Um, and that's very, very hard because a lot of us do live in somewhat suburban areas. Um, right now, I mean, I can just hear all these cars going by and it's 535, you know, and, and there was a time when that was very, very hard for me. And um, many of us have a heart for um, slow living and country living and the quietness of activities in the country. When you have to do a chore outside, it's not so much a chore when you're under the stillness of the stars at night or harvest moon, or you're walking and you're walking next to the chickens. There's just, there's a quiet beauty about that. And we long for that. And I think that that is a holy longing because when we achieve these inward bits of holiness, I think that God loves it when the outward matches that. So, um, for example, my skirts, when we are pursuing inward beauty and the qualities of holiness like gentleness and meekness and patience that is beautiful i mean that is like a think of rembrandt or you know just you know laurie pemberton any painter that you love and just the, the detail and the the strokes of color and the masterpiece in those painters that's what our hearts are becoming like when we become like him so then it it, it befits us to wear a skirt that has a ruffle top or a $200 handmade tailored linen dress from Little Women Atelier that will last you your lifetime if you take care of it. I think that that befits us because we are daughters of the king. But that's not the goal. The goal isn't these external things because God knows that we're only in control of so much. You know, we can we can only make our outward worlds what we want them to such an extent. What we have full control over is what's going on on the inside. So that is what Paul means when he says, make it your ambition to live a quiet life. 
Not that we're not gonna strive for having these couple acres, these rolling hills where we can truly experience the quiet and the solitude that we were made to have as um, creatures that belong outside in the wonders of nature and not on concrete and surrounded by traffic and noise all the time. Um, so we just, like I said in my, you know, my fire podcast, we bring that to him in prayer. And I love what Tozer said in this book I'm reading by him. He said, the word wish should not be in the Christian's vocabulary because either something in our circumstances is in his will in which we are to accept it without grumbling or questioning, like it says in Philippians 2.14, or we are to pray about it and he will change it. Isn't that exciting? So there's no wishing all the time. I'm like, Lord, I just wish this could be different. And I hear this like, you don't need to wish. Don't wish. There's no wishing. <laughs> you need to pray. And it's like, a not like you need to pray. It's like, a, you get to pray. You get to ask me because maybe I'll change it. Or he'll tell me, you know, this is how it has to be right now. And you're going to be so happy if you can just say, okay. So we got to do away with wishing. And that is, that is one big aspect of the quiet life. Just accepting accepting and it's funny because a lot of the stoic philosophers live this out so much better they didn't know christ they didn't have the light of the new testament but epictetus and socrates confucius they they knew this they lived this so much better than some of us do because we just get so bold and and ambitious and willful within christ because we have the power of the holy spirit that we think we can just change everything but the reality is, is there is so much in this world that is just happening because of where we are in history and where culture has led us. And as much as we want to just eliminate the internet sometimes or eliminate even things like electricity <laughs> because it's distracting and we want to have a quiet life, you know, we can't. We can't will it away and that's going to become... Um, grievous to our hearts and it's going to create unrest and God is a God of peace it's a God he's a God of rest so in obedience to him we need to be like the old philosophers and preserve our quiet heart and um, do what um, Paul and Peter asked women to do especially to maintain a quiet heart because our families are going to be feeding on our quiet they are going to be leaning on our quiet and looking to us for how to get that quiet that the world is not providing, especially our husbands. They are in the world all day long, surrounded by those who don't know him and who are in the very noisiness of um, career ambition, ambition for success, for wealth, for um, a namesake, making a name for themselves. I know many men even who, are, who claim to be in the, ch- in the church that are just pursuing business success. It's addicting. You know, you start one business, it does very well. You have money for investment. Hey, why don't we start another one? And it's like, you just keep going and that's their life. As women, we have the power to pull them out of that and to remind them that their treasure's laid up in heaven. That they're working for the Lord. And it's, our, it's the quietness that we carry in our hearts 
that stills their fast motors. That's why we light our candles. You know, in, in my post yesterday, someone was someone said, why do you light candles in the middle of the day? Well, especially in the colder months, it's always a little bit overcast um, in Ohio. There's always this, like, heaviness in the sky. Um, and I, I find it to be so comforting to light a couple candles here and there just to remind myself that God is light and he is warmth and he's, he's right here. Sometimes it, it is going to sound weird, but the sun is far away. We feel that, you know, we feel how far away it's all the way up there. Like, um, James will often, he's learning proportions and he'll say, mommy, the, the stars, I can't see them because they are farther than the sun and they are, they are higher than the moon and the trees, the trees are not as high, but the trees are higher than me. And it's very cute how he's, he's getting it all. Well, we know that God is like our sun. Uh, the sun, what the sun is to creation is like what God is to us. He's our light and he's our warmth. So when we have fire, I mean, we all know the sun is just a ball of gas. It's a ball of fire. So having a little, little flame in your house, that's actually very spiritually significant because it's reminding you that he's our flame. We are nothing without him. He's what lights us as his vessels, as his chosen people. So I like to light candles because it it keeps me still and it keeps me focused um, and it keeps me rested. So there's all these things that we can do to preserve our quiet heart so we can spill over and create that quietness um, in our family's hearts. But so, you know, getting back to what is the quiet life, oftentimes we think of cottage core. You know, we think of these candlelit rooms with these floral ruffle or gingham curtains and teacups and kettles and slices of apple pie. We think of old books and the smell of leather or warm vanilla and things you bring in from outside like acorns and leaves and a sense of timelessness, escaping. We think of um, just romping through the forest outside wearing hand-knit shawls or lace-up leather boots. And some of us just can't even have these things. I've wanted to knit a shawl for two years now, and I have the yarn. I keep checking it in my drawer. My, I have this um, Martha Washington sewing cabinet that I love upstairs, and I, there's a whole huge drawer of merino wool yarn in it for things I'm supposed to be making for me and the boys, mittens and shawls, and I just can't do it yet. And so I, you know, if a quiet life was dependent on these things, that would just be a problem. <laughs> but that's what comes to mind. We picture wandering in hand-knit shawls and leather boots. And I think we're drawn to these scenes because they vividly convey, in a physical way, what we experience spiritually when the love of Christ quiets our hearts. But the sobering reality, my friends, is that there is no such thing as a quiet life without Christ. We see, you know, there's like Hobbit core and um, what's what's some of the other ones? Like like academia core. There's all of these hashtags on Instagram that interest me so much because they, they capture a little bit of what we have in Christ, the quiet we have in Christ and the color we have in Christ. But um, they don't, get to experience the joy of the quiet in the Lord um, that we do unless they're truly in Christ. 
And why is that? It's because Christ is the one who, the only one who brought us to to peace. Who, um, you know, it says in Ephesians 2, uh, 14, he himself is our peace who has broken down the wall of hostility. So when we decided to go our own way, and when we decided thousands of years ago to try to live a life and make a world without him, that's when we put up this wall of hostility between us and God. And ever since, there's just been this barrier. Until we repent which sounds like a big, comp- big, complicated thing, but it just means giving the heart to God. And in Hebrew, the heart is, they would have known it as um, the seat of the will. So repenting means just breaking your will, rending your will, giving your will to him, back to him. We're returning to him. We all were with him because we all were his design and his idea. So all we're doing we are returning as sheep. It says you have all returned um, like sheep to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. So it's not like we're finding him. He's searching for us and he is finding us if we let him. So that's what the quiet life is. It's, it's saying I am rejecting all of this hustle and bustle that I've created and I'm going back. I'm returning even though I don't even have full consciousness of what I'm returning to, I trust that that heaven is real, that God is real, that life is spiritual, like we talked about in my awake or dreaming podcast, and I am letting him teach me and give me his peace that he made on the cross by paying the penalty for my sin that I, that I created when I decided to live without him. And it's not a shameful thing. When he says, return to me, he says that romantically. It's like, we know the parable of the prodigal son. He goes, return, return to me. It's, it's because I want you. I want a relationship with you. I'm excited to be with you in every moment. I'm excited to impregnate every moment with meaning. That's what he wants to do. He sees that we've created a meaningless life. And he wants to consecrate the ordinary again and make it flooded with his power and his beauty. He wants to make it magical. And only only he can do that. So that's why he's calling us back to himself and asking us to give up our will for his will. So the quiet life is one of peace between us and God. So there was a time in my life when I had the cottage core life. Everything was quiet. I went to a school that is so beautiful that it looks like it's fictional. It was in one of those fictional college towns that, um, I mean, it's a real place. You can go to it. You can look up Gambier, Ohio, and you can go. (laughs) And you can come visit me when you come. Um, But these, it was founded in 1824, and it was the second oldest college in the States. And it was founded to be a seminary, and the seminary building is beautiful. It is made of um, these old sandstones that are like an orangish color, and it has these like spires and turrets. And there's this long, sandy walk that goes all the way from the oldest um, dorm room all the way to Bexley, 
the seminary hall where people were, or where men, when it was founded, would just pour over theology and scriptures and learn how to be ministers of the word. It was a beautiful mission that Philander Chase had. And then they opened it up to women and it just kept growing and growing. And the buildings just have such an otherworldly beauty. And so I was drawn to it because you would go here and it's still they have a class that's just the classics or the great books. Plato, Aristotle, um, you know, Dante's Inferno, and Descartes, all of these um, old books. We read Uncle Tom's Cabin, we read Jane Eyre, all of the books that really formed Western culture that was, for the longest time, 1800s, 1900s, a Christian culture. So I was so excited because I had only read modern, modern writings. Um, the writings of the late 1900s and, um, you know, oh, now I'm linking, but okay, so 1984, um, uh, just Orwell and the, the dystopian books that describe, you know, a strange new world, <laughs> the problems that we have created, um, with the the highly technological highly technological depersonalized numbers numbers everyone's just a number not a face world so i was excited to go back and study the classics and that part was wonderful and being in this little small community where you really knew your professors um was wonderful so i you know I would get to have these delicious soups for every meal of the day if I wanted and listen to these lectures in a gothic building built in 1859. And I would take these long walks just holding a book and a cup of coffee in my leather boots, listening to lectures um, in Ascension Hall, this three-story building with stained glass windows on the upper floor and these you know, steep, curving stairs. Well, not curving, but it was like, bloop, bloop, like it would just go up and then turn and up and then turn. It was like the staircase. It would go up for three stories. The boys love climbing the staircase because it's so steep. Um, <laughs> but, my friends, the entire time, my heart was aching and breaking. There wasn't a tiny bit of quiet in my heart, even though I didn't have any children and my dorm room was silent and my walks were silent. All I could hear was the occasional rooster at the nearby farm or just the sound of gravel under my feet. I had a hot, restless, anxious, troubled heart. I was burdened and confused because I did not do the one thing that all of us need to do. I did not come to God. I did not sit with him. You know, I did not do what it says. In my Bible here, it's buried underneath my writing. It says to be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. I did not humble myself in my heart and go to God every day. And like a little child, crawl into his lap and tell him how I felt and study his word in his ways and learn about his will for his people um instead i lived for myself 
I lived for the pleasures of the intellect. And I know many of you guys are readers and artists, and there is, you know, we don't often hear about this, but there is a danger in just living for the pleasure of reading and, and dreaming and making things and um, inspiration and beauty. And instead of service for the Lord's church, I wasn't serving his church. I wasn't being his hands and feet. I was so focused on what was going on inside me in my mind and my calling, you know, it was pride, so much pride. And that created a level of unrest that was unimaginable. Um, it, it hurt me so bad. I was so lonely, no matter how quiet and beautiful my outward life was. So my hope was not anchored in Christ. It was anchored in what I could write in the, the um, essays and short stories I could write from my classes. It was in the praise I got from my peers, and it crushed me. And I kept yearning for this simpler life, this life where there was no pressure and no demand to be productive, but that I could just know his love. And I couldn't find that there. No one would just love me there. No one was like a parent there. Everyone was like a um, a taskmaster, um, just telling me, you're gifted, you're gifted, this is what you must do, you must go on and get your master's. I, I didn't, I couldn't find fellowship. There's a difference between um, fellowship and uh, intellectual discussion and connecting with others intellectually. <laughs> There's a difference between cozying up by the fire and sharing a slice of apple pie and singing a hymn than sharing things you've written and ideas you have and I needed fellowship that's the quiet life the quiet life is one of fellowship and I, I talked a little bit about that in my post on a cottage industry that's what I want for my sewing and ultimately our woodworking and everything that we're going to be making in this house and in our homestead eventually I want it to be a place where our whole family and anyone who comes and visits us at any moment feels that there's an atmosphere of prayer, of rest in Jesus. Not that we are, are working to make a name for ourselves or working to, to, you know, to fulfill a quota. Like we have to make this number of things in this amount of time, but just that we are so in love with life you're so awake to the wonder of what he made. We're not bored with it. We have this problem of boredom in our culture. We always want something exciting and new and, and fresh. But no, we're content with the seasons. We are content admiring the maples and the honey locusts and all of the wonder of what's happening all around us. The wonder of what it's like having an 18-month-old who just wants to be squeezed under the table and that's really what, what we're delighting in. And then out of that quietness, we just can't help it. We can't help it but make beautiful things to share with the world. So that's what I, I see as a cottage industry and in that I want to be the motive force behind what we're doing. So it really took God humbling me and pulling me back to his heart through this little country church I had or that I found um, and not, not the quiet life that I had at college. Um, so we don't need a quiet environment to experience his love. What do we need? We need to know as a fact 
that he is rejoicing over us and singing over us. It's not the literal quietness. It's not the silent cottage in the woods experience. It's being quieted by his love. And that can happen anywhere, anytime, even in the midst of the most intense level of noise and activity. So when I stopped nursing Thad, it was last Monday that um, I was kind of nervous. You know, I went to get him from his crib and I had his milk in his cup. Um, And I brought him downstairs and everything was quiet and there was just candles lit and I sat with him in the rocker and I just rocked with him and I tried to make that enough. I figured it's always quiet in the morning. I can just hold him and, you know, whisper to him the same things I always do. Um, you know, good morning, my love. I can't wait to take you out today. We're gonna have so much fun visiting the cows and, you know, and all of our favorite animals when we go get our milk for the week. And none of that, none of that soothing, quiet sweetness helped him. The only thing that helped him was turning on Doris's Acre, Doris Acre's song, Blessed Quietness. <laughs> and so you get this, like, this jazz tempo, you know, dum 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 blessed quietness, holy quietness. And he perks up. And it's so funny because it was not, it was not the physical quietness that gave him this inner rest. He was, he stopped crying, he was smiling, because we had this jazz song on that he loves. So it's not, it's not the physical cessation. Sometimes what we really need is a dance party. (laughs) Sometimes what we really need is jumping into a pile of loud, crinkly leaves in order to get back into that still, ocean-like trust in the bottom of us of God is the one in control. And so that's what he felt. He felt mommy is in control. He felt mommy loves me when there was this comforting noise. So, you know, sometimes it's the whir of the sewing machine. Sometimes it's the clinkity clank of my knitting needles. Or it's the sound of um, the hot water going, you know, bubbling and pouring into my coffee cup. It's the sounds sometimes that help us be quiet again. So we have to let God guide us into the very physical things that help us retain that quietness of heart. Um, but it's, it's his intention that we make quietness our first ambition. Make it your ambition to live a quiet life. Just like I made it my ambition for the hidden person of the heart to adorn this house when it was Levi's birthday. We need to make it our ambition for a quiet life. Isn't that so interesting that we're being ambitious to be quiet? We have to work at this. We have to be getting out our hammers and our little drills. (laughs) We have to be worker bees and worker ants to create quietness because the world does not want us to have quietness. You know, quietness is where we start hearing his voice and experiencing his nudges. And that's where things start to really happen. And so no wonder the enemy does not want that. So we need to be asking God for a hedge around our lives, for um, him to give us the ability to push back the noises and distractions that would prevent us from 
having this quietness. And one of the distractions is this lie that we must not have any noise because that's emptiness. And he doesn't want emptiness. He wants a fullness that brings us to him. Okay, let me see what else I want to share. I know I'm getting kind of long here. And this is a good thing I'm splitting it up into two because my next topic is ambition and working hard for God within quietness. So that would take another hour. (laughs) So I'll wait for that one. Um, So it's love that quiets us. It's the humble acceptance of who he made us to be. You know, there's no shame in who we are. Um, Once we are not living for ourselves, we need to accept fully who we are. I am an artist and a writer, and I have to stop pushing against it. I have to, you know, I actually started crying again yesterday. This is, this is good. This is really good for me. Um, you know, I told this to a friend, and she was like, I'm so sorry you were crying. And I'm like, no, this is a victory. I think that the angels are rejoicing. Because did you all know that tears are actually a sign of humility? It's only our pride that keeps us from saying, this is really hard. I'm having a hard time with this. And crying a little bit, it's not for show. You know, we're not supposed to cry just because it looks like we're, you know, being sorrowful or doing something difficult. You cry because you're truly struggling. Yesterday, just with the whole configuring of plans of when we were going to go to Columbus and not knowing how things were going to line up, I hadn't been outside yet. Um, people are going to laugh, but you I mean, when you're, when you're making meals all day and you're taking care of two little boys in the house and we just have these two rooms down here, um, it can get really tight feeling. And I was holding it together for the longest time, but I had a really bad headache too, from just being sleepy. And then I had the photo shoot with the table and editing pictures. And so I was on my screen a lot and I just, I kept noticing the shifting of the light outside and just these golden peaks between the, the dark um, cloudy and then the crystal blue behind it and then these shafts of light just piercing and then making the, the green and the gold of the leaves just shimmer and it was like something in me broke again and I, and I said Levi you know can we go outside can we just go for a little walk like please and he, he's like you know I'm really not feeling it right now and it was so hard and I, I just bit my tongue and was like Uh, but it's really good for all of us, you know. Really what I was saying was that I needed to, and I should have just taken the boys out myself. But I sat down on the coffee table, and I just, I was like, you need to protect me. You need to, you need to help me do what I need. I need this. And I was listening to my heart in that moment, and I realized I, I need the way that God made me. He made it so that I am not okay. I'm not healthy inside if I don't drink in pure, fresh air. And I don't hear the sounds of the birds and and look up into the expanse. I need to look up. I need to see the clouds slowly drifting. I need to look at the offshoot of the Kokosing River near our house and watch it trickling along the winding riverbank because it immediately lifts me out of the things that I'm pondering and it settles me again. So what is faithfulness for all of us? It's, it's knowing and accepting who he made us to be and being willing to say, okay, you know, I'm an artist, I'm a writer, I'm a cook, I'm, I'm a seamstress, I'm anything that you know for sure that he has called you to be. I am a mother, 
you know, what if, what if you love rocking your children to sleep and there's a voice inside you that says, oh, you, you shouldn't be holding them this long. You need to be teaching them how to fall asleep in their crib on their own. There is a time and place for that, but sometimes God has really made you a nurturer and he wants you to be who you are. He wants you to enjoy fully mothering your little chicks. So go into that, go into who you are. So for me, I need to just go outside. It's that simple. I don't need to think about it. I don't need to philosophize about it and defend it to Levi. I just need to go outside. It's right there. It's literally right outside these old doors. <laughs> Why do I do this? So um, part of being faithful and part of learning his peace is accepting who we are. Um, and it's just the basic indisputable facts that everyone who believes in him has received forgiveness of sins through his name. So that is what opens up this world, this cottage that we live in every day of quietness. It's knowing our names are engraved on the palms of his hand. It's knowing that we are at peace with God. I love in Isaiah when he says, the work of righteousness shall be peace. And the effect of righteousness, quietness, and assurance forever. The effect of the cross? This is amazing. It says quietness and assurance forever. Think of like the Christian world and all of its hustle and bustle and activities and programs and events. Especially with the holiday season. That's secondary. Christ brought quietness and assurance forever. Wow. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. That's what he wants. He wants his people to be still, quiet, placid, unshakable lakes. Can we do that? Let's try. Let's see what happens if we if we really make that our ambition. So the work of Christ, his death on the cross had one main effect. It was quietness and assurance. Our hearts are assured of his love, just like Thaddy was assured of my love when I sang with him and danced with him, both in that, you know, cold morning when he was adjusting to not nursing, or like last night when daddy and big brother weren't here. It was different. Things were different. And the joy it brought him when, out of the quietness of my heart, I was willing to chase him (laughs) like a wild bear playing with her cub underneath the new table that's what quieted him that's what assured him of my love so we can't really encounter christ and we can't live with christ and we can't work for christ if we don't have this life marked by this quietness and assurance because that is evidence of the cross in our life that is what his work on the cross brought about He wants to put to death forever a frantic and hurried spirit. So the bedrock of life is not a quiet cottage environment, though that may come. We need not fear the impossibility of a quiet home life. For many of us, especially when we have lots of children and we're taking on lots of homeschool homeschool and homestead activities, there's going to be a flourish of noise and activity. But it has to emanate. It has to come out from a quiet heart and we have to be able to turn it all off like a switch and sit down with our bibles 
and rest. We have to be able to do that switch. Um, We have to make God the home of the soul, not our activities. We don't live in our activities. That's very hard, but we need to learn that discipline so that we can truly thrive in him, especially this winter. So the root and the source of the fairy tale lifestyle we want and when we see um, with the cottage core trend is actually God's love. That's what we're drawn to when we see the beautiful homes. If you picture Michelle and um, remembering the old ways, her her kitchen with the, the huge, gorgeous um, wood hand-hewn beams, we feel something when we look at her home. And that's why, you know, everyone loves her her photos they they don't just demonstrate a quiet life though i know she does really live a quiet life she's demonstrating the quietness they know and experience in god's love because they're living for him they're submitting their ways culture's ways to god's old ancient ways and it's beautiful what has come of it the quietness of heart that has come come of it There is a quiet, unshakable joy that is as palpable as hand-hewn beams when we fully understand our new identity and where our life actually is. We are citizens of heaven. It says, even when we were dead in our trespasses, Christ made us alive together with him. By grace, you have been saved and raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We are seated with him right now. There has been an eternal change. The moment we were saved, we were lifted up out of this darkness, this present darkness, and the grip of, of the enemy in this world, and we were seated with him on Christ. Let that marvelous mystery become a living reality that gives you quiet in every activity, in every circumstance. So if we would really make it our ambition to lead the quiet life, we must accept his work of righteousness and the peace that comes from it. We can't seek peace in anything else. We, um, quietness is not a romantic escape to the woods. Perhaps that's why I don't love going on vacations. <laughs> I'm sure I have some of you that, that feel the same way. I just, I love home too much. I love the, the raw realness and the challenge that home presents. Um, it challenges me to really press in to life as God wanted it to be from the beginning of time. He wanted us to work very, very hard and yet experience this paradox of utter peace in the midst of it. We can't seek um, peace in anything other than the work of Christ and the promise of the world to come and the kingdom of Christ all around us that we know is very real right now. Um, like I talked about the throne and um, holding in your heart the image of a throne because we know it's real and um, how he sits at the right hand of God every moment to intercede for us. It's that mystery that we can't comprehend in our minds But once we accept it, our minds will just come to life. We'll have more ideas and more ambitions and more energy than we ever could have dreamed of. Because that is the the powerhouse of life, accepting that that fact. 
So there's a, there's a next step, and this is what I'll talk about in my next podcast. Once we are quieted by his love, once we know that the world and its desires are quickly passing away, um, you know, we remember that there is no abiding here, but we are like a shadow. Um, that's something that David tells Solomon when he's about to go build a temple for God, which will be an extreme work. And I'm going to be um, talking about that in my um, my podcast on what it's like to be ambitious for God. Um, once we set about these very, very challenging and otherworldly at times missions for him, um, we, we have to always remember that it's, it's passing quickly. Um, we are just a mist here. And our home is really, it's really in heaven. And um, we are basically just living out the qualities of that life here. We are birthing a environment that is um, expressive of the qualities that we've attained in him by rending our heart. Um, Like I talked about giving our hearts to God, it's really a tearing of our will, tearing of our heart for him to um, have his heart that's um, the beginning of um, creating this cottage life this quiet life that we want to experience and that we want others to come to experience and to fall in love with and to leave the busyness of this chaotic modern world and trade this life in christ for so let's remember um paul's petition that not only should we be adorned with a meek and quiet spirit Um, and, you know, not only lead a quiet life, but we also need to adorn ourselves, as he says, with good works. We have to be willing, once we're in this quiet spot, to take on the second element of life with him, the new life, the new creation, going back to who we were made to be when he thought of us and when he created us. The second thing is... um, creating something extremely unusual and beautiful and extraordinary that will most likely shock the world with him in the power of that quietness um if you picture um, a cottage like because we're kind of going with this cottage image you know the first step with this that this topic is about is the hearth it's you know it's coming to him and letting him quiet us and lay his hand on us and teach us all about his love and we can do that through the, the quiet things. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and look up Jeremiah 6.16 because it keeps coming to mind here. Um, when I talked about Michelle, the the things that draw us closer to him, like knitting and baking and reading, we need to keep doing those things and sitting with him at the hearth. That is the first ambition. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life and learn his quietness. And my yoke is easy and um, my... Uh, you know, he says it. My yoke is easy, my burden is light, and he he can give us rest for our souls. Um, but we can't stay there. You know, we can't stay by the fire. If you picture a cottage like Michelle's, they have these beautiful high teas. We know that she and her girls are so ambitious. They make these drives out into the country, and they collect these um, like feed sack style vintage prints and they are making quilts and inventing recipes and making beautiful healthy food with homegrown things from their garden i have never seen a family so ambitious and yet so quiet um 
So he's going to want us to get out um, from the comfort of the hearth and go into the kitchen, into the sewing room, into the workshop, into the homeschool room where he's called us to do the good works that women are specifically, because most of you I know are women, um, that we are supposed to adorn our lives with. But still, we're supposed to be adorned with a quiet heart first. So isn't this, isn't this amazing? He's such a God of beautiful contrast and beautiful paradoxes. I love that. And then, I mean, all around us right now, we're, we're seeing um, just these contrasts of like these dark, moody skies and these brilliant shafts of light and these warm days and these chilly nights. It, it's so beautiful um, just how much he loves to do that. So, okay, here's Jeremiah 6.16 that I need to write about because it's such a beautiful verse. Thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look, ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. He wants us to ask for the ancient paths. And did you know at the end of Psalm 139, he says, David says, search me, O God. Try my heart and know me. See if there be any wicked way in me. Show me or lead me in the way everlasting. And in my footnotes, it says the way of everlasting or the ancient paths or the old ways. So it's, it's not something new. It's going back. It's studying the old ways, the ancient paths, the way God intended us to live. And that is the quiet life and the quiet arts and the things that we used to do as women that would help sustain and fuel and maintain that quiet heart. So I think that women like um, Michelle and all of the cottage industries that I tagged yesterday in my post, I think that they are doing in, in instinctively something that God has has been talking about in his word and to his people forever of studying the ancient ways and doing them so that they can know his peace, so that they can be fruitful um, using their gifts. So I am going to leave you all there. I, I know this was long. I hope it blesses you. Now you can see why I wasn't able to pull it all together. Um, on that one morning standing in the hallway when I went into the bathroom and started recording, I was so overwhelmed. I was, I was talking too fast because I was trying to squeeze in quietness and ambition into one podcast and they're very, very much, um, two separate ones. So I hope that this excites you to, um, curl up with God, even if it's not physical curling up, because I know many of you don't have the fire yet. Um, but light your candles and um, go bake something delicious and exercise self-control. <laughs> oh, it's so hard, isn't it? Because it's easy to go too far. It's easy to, to press too much into the things that draw us close to God and then um, struggle there. So it's all a balance. It's all a balance. You know, we can't, we can't sit around and read all day, but we need to just be faithful. We need to just do the little things that maintain um, this quietness that will give us the strength and open that door and shut out the world, open the door to him, um, to come in and give us the stillness and the peace we need to have that quiet communion with him that then helps us to go out into all the world and to be little worker bees for him and 
create hives and create honey that the world desperately needs, especially now going into these months when I know we're all going to be shut in a little bit more and we're going to really need to, to learn how to experience his love and his joy in the darker, the darker months and the darker times. Um, my hearts are with you all. I care about you all very deeply and, um, I'll give you a tiny update. I know I'm really, really pushing it with the time on this one with the website. I, you know, I really have a vision for this website and so I am not trying to force it. I long for it to be very much like a home, like an old English manor house. I lived in an English manor house when I studied in Oxford and it's basically like you enter and there's this parlor area with a fireplace and then then you go back and there's a kitchen and the kitchen's really long and has all these spaces for pots and pans and there's like stone everywhere and it's beautiful and then you go up this massive staircase and there's this long hall and there's all these rooms it's like a boarding house there's quaint little nooks and rooms and if you picture all the buttons on a website I want every time you click a button I want it to feel like a room like you're in another world and like you're going down a corridor maybe this is too elaborate but I feel like it could be simple but it's not very simple and I'm not good with technology so there's been many tears over trying to figure out Squarespace so if you could just say a prayer because I know what's going to happen but I'm not sure how yet and I know you all are waiting and sometimes that feeling makes it even harder so I need to I know you don't want me to feel that way though so I need to just give myself grace and practice what I'm saying and and learn this quietness and I think from out of this quietness and rest with him he will give me some creative idea of how I'm supposed to go about this because I know it's his idea to kind of free me up to share more and to share more variety Um, I'd like to do more videos some poems some some short stories not just this this character limit caption thing that you you deal with on Instagram so hopefully that will come about fairly soon um and i just i'm praying for you and i i feel your prayers for our family and so i just can't thank you enough for all the support and all the love i truly feel that there's a sistership that's starting starting to happen and that has been that has been my deepest desire ever since the beginning um, of starting this public instagram and just opening up to you all so i hope you have a beautiful week and um get to wear some comfy cozy sweaters and adventure out again into the fall wonderland and i will talk to you all again hopefully very soon bye